Basically, in my opinion, mm-hmm. if we are successful, we will cease to need to exist in five years or whatever the right time. Really? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Public Impact Podcast from Public Spend Forum. I'm Shelly Kapoor Collins, one of the producers of the podcast and advisor to Public Spend Forum. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Rod Shaw, managing partner of the Defense Innovation Unit Experimental a unit within the Department of Defense, also known as DIUX. DIUX serves as the bridge and the means by which innovative and disruptive technologies are vetted and rapidly brought into the DOD to address some of our most mission-critical challenges. What's unique about DIUX methodology is that it aims to deploy technology in an iterative, agile manner, which is very much aligned with the thinking in the private sector, especially across key innovation hubs around the country. And so it's fitting that DIUX is strategically located in Silicon Valley, Boston, and more recently, Austin, Texas. While the entire podcast is chock full of great information from Raj, I really enjoyed learning about the genesis and mission of DIUX, the successful reboot of the unit along the way, and perhaps most interesting to our suppliers who are listening, the rapid contracting tool that Secretary Carter and his team have effectively put in place to onboard new technologies, and it's a pretty full pipeline. And with that, and without giving away too much information, I'm excited to share my discussion with Raj, who is at the helm of DIUX and reporting directly to Secretary Carter. Raj, can you tell us a little bit about the DIUX, the genesis, why it was formed, and then your own role, please? Great. Well, thanks, Shelley. I appreciate the the opportunity to speak with you uh, and your listeners. This is uh, obviously a topic that I think is is very important uh, for for the department and for our national security more broadly. So maybe what I can do is I'll start start off and think about the, or talk about the big picture of why something like DIUX needs to exist, and then we can delve into, into how we're going to execute it. So if you look over the last decade or two, and you look at the types of technologies and innovations that have been created in the private sector, the new economy, uh, startups and high-tech businesses, as they go to and go to build their own businesses and and uh, addressing consumer demand and enterprise demand, I think we're seeing a, a heavy investment of of capital and technology and people in some really uh, uh, important technologies. And these technologies are ones that will be vital to the department and our nation going forward to help secure us. Uh, unfortunately, we have not done the best job of being able to access those technologies mm-hmm. uh, and bring them to bear. So, you know, for example, if you look at the level of data analytics and, and autonomy technologies that companies like Google and Amazon are doing to serve the consumer market, mm-hmm. to be able to serve up better ads and recommendations to optimize their own monetization, those same technologies have uh, strong applicability to our national security mission, mm-hmm. but we uh, have not uh, been able to access those at the rate that we would want it to for a whole host of, of reasons that we can talk to. So mm-hmm. what DIUX's real mission and, and reason for existence is to accelerate the adoption of that innovation into the Department of Defense to uh, help our warfighters. No, thank you. That sounds great. And actually, um, it's very, it's really fitting with you know, I think our president, President Obama, has probably been one of the most technologically advanced and innovative presidents 
maybe you know in in recent time and so this is fitting that this would come out of his administration and under secretary carter's leadership so having said that can you tell us a little bit about how you came into this role sure um so uh, for me this mission is one that uh was very personal um i have uh, uh, experienced or suffered, as it may, both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the the honor of, uh, of serving in the United States Air Force as a as a, as a fighter pilot, mm-hmm. and uh, on several of my missions, uh, I wished that I had some of the innovations that had been occurring uh, in the private sector, particularly around uh, navigation and mapping that I could get on an iPad that I couldn't get in uh, mm-hmm. in, in the airplane that I flew. Uh, Conversely, on the other side, as an entrepreneur, um, I saw directly how difficult it is for young startups mm-hmm. and, and emerging companies to work with the government and and be able to uh, effectively sell. Uh, and so I think it is a detriment to, to both sides uh, by having that divide. And so that's, that's why I'm personally uh, excited about it. Maybe I can just delve in a little bit about how we're structured and, and what we do. So we've uh, split the organization and organized ourselves into three kind of primary lines of effort. So line of effort one is uh, the venture arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, line of effort two is the foundry group. And then the third one is an engagement group. So let me kind of walk through each one. So the, the, the venture group mission is to solve important capability gaps in the department by approaching, interfacing, and contracting with early stage startups and technology companies. Uh, we So we start with an identified problem that one of our customers, mm-hmm. and by our customers I mean the Army, the Navy, the combatant commands has. Sure. Uh, and then we go out and we try to appropriately identify non-traditional suppliers. Mm-hmm. So In the marketplace. In the, in, in the marketplace, yeah. right? Um, it's not to say that we uh, have any intention of excluding the traditional industrial base. They also are part of this, but kind of the key tenants are very, very agile development, mm-hmm. iterative approaches, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, sort of orthogonal uh, solutions. Sure. Um, uh, particularly around companies that already have a commercial business. How do we take what they have and adopt it? So we take the problems, we fo- we identify the right companies, we have a competitive mm-hmm. a bidding process that's run through our uh, website, uh, but it's done in a very unique fashion, which I'll, which I'll talk about uh, uh, later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially, then we can try to get those technologies and capabilities into the department as fast as we can. Um, so starting from May through the, uh, through the end of the fiscal year, we have about 20 projects um, that have been contracted or in the pipeline, totaling around $65 million uh, worth of, worth of prototype effort. Right. And we are, uh, even though I call it the venture group, we're not a venture capital firm. We right. don't take equity investments. This is all uh, R&D style grants for uh, non-recurring engineering or even our revenue, depending on the stage of the company. Uh, so, so this is a, our way of, of very quickly solving some problems. So that's, that's group one. Uh, group two, uh, the foundry group, is looking at earlier stage technologies. Uh, there may be uh, a technology or two that's been built out uh, in our innovation economy in either uh, the Valley or Boston or anywhere in the country. Uh, and what we do is bring together operators, so warfighters yep. and engineers. We mm-hmm. bring them together and help then adapt this commercial technology to our uses, right? So, for example, augmented reality goggles. Instead of cool. us as a department trying to rebuild mm-hmm. AR goggles, let's take what's already built and then add the software layer on top of it. So again, it's a it's a more early stage kind of development effort. Very efficient, also. Yeah. Right. 
Exactly. And it's, again, it's taking that sort of startup mindset of mm-hmm. very, very quick uh, and agile development processes. Uh, and then the final group is an engagement group mm-hmm. to try to help uh, educate both sides. So educate entrepreneurs, investors, mm-hmm. companies on why it's important and interesting to work with the Department of Defense. I think we have some of the most exciting and challenging problems out there. Right. Uh, uh, the Department of Defense, is, uh, many people don't know, is the single largest buyer of IT in the world. So it's not only a great customer, it's an important customer. It's uh, very mission-focused. So ed- educate that education front. Uh, and, and likewise, we also aim to educate the folks within the department on what is the art of the possible, right? If you startups are, are very driven to build incredible technologies right. and very quickly, uh, and so we want to expose them to that, right? Uh, and, spec- and, and help them also understand what areas are of particular interest, meaning the, the uh, uh, younger startups uh, aren't going to solve everything for us. Sure. are not going to buy an aircraft carrier from them. <laughs> Um, but there are certain types of technologies, particularly around cybersecurity, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, software, that uh, they are the lead. So those are sort of the three kind of primary groups that we've organized our team around. Uh, and we also uh, have recently launched a reserve program. So there are lots of reservists mm-hmm. uh, that serve in many of these these large technology companies. And we want to be able to harness what there are expertise that they have honed in their civilian careers to, again, help national security. So we're building a, uh, a reserve team around the country to help bring those types of individuals, let them serve. They're mm-hmm. very mission-driven. That's wonderful. Uh, and so Austin, Texas is mm-hmm. our first one of our reserve presences. Oh, I see. Where we're coalescing in many of these uh, reservists together. And that's already open, right? That, that, that is that's correct. Open? Correct. Okay, that is very already, good. That presence is open. So, you know, it's really interesting. You're talking about a completely innovative approach to bringing technologies and companies um, into uh, into the government, especially into the Department of Defense. And, you know, at the same time, you know, you're talking about efficiencies, but you hear that there's a lot of bad IT spend, mm-hmm. right? So having framed it that way, what are some barriers that you've had to overcome to drive success to date? Well, I think there's two. There's kind of two categories of of barriers that uh, we are trying to overcome and, and be the be a beacon to what the art of the possible is, right? You know, our our, our the department, defense department, is a large organization, and so mm-hmm. we're you know we're we're just a small piece of it. Um, so I think the two key areas that that we focused on, one is uh, called process and procedure. Mm-hmm. So just how do you work with the government if mm-hmm. you're a younger company sure. and you don't have necessarily a, a full a government federal focused uh, sales team. That's kind of uh, one. And then the second one is more cultural mm-hmm. in terms of uh, agility, speed, and risk. Mm-hmm. So for the first one, we, uh, the, the, the Congress has in the 2016 uh, NDAA, so the, the big defense bill from last year, mm-hmm. Congress gave the department, and department wide, not just us, uh, new authorities to uh, encourage fast and simple contracting. There's something in there called the commercial solutions opening, Mm -hmm. which is designed to help the department acquire certain types of prototypes and and, uh, new technologies in the way that a commercial uh, company or buyer would. And so, uh, uh, and you can visit our website to get much more details on it, but the focus of that is to overcome many of the barriers that an early stage company has. Uh, those around 
uh, requirements. They have different types of auditing uh, mm -hmm. or di different kinds of books, which mm -hmm. is uh, which we don't need. IP, uh, data right kind of issues. There's a whole host of things. Mm -hmm. So that's the the process, and the most important part of it is speed. So of the uh, the 20 projects that we have completed to to date, the the average time from meeting and kicking off the project to being able to put a vendor on contract was 53 days. That's pretty amazing. So, and that's, you know, we have to work within the, the, the time cycle that mm -hmm. is relevant for, for an earlier stage company or non-traditional company. So, so one is around process and how mm -hmm. to just do that and, and interface. So, so we've, 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 uh, we've piloted that and, and have gotten that going. I think the second one really is more cultural, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think about software procurement, mm -hmm. rather than doing waterfall development, let's do a very, uh, you know, agile process with clear milestones, right? right. So, we, you know, we, we are using taxpayer dollars. We want to be very good stewards of that and mm -hmm. maximize the value that we get for the government. Um, and knowing that many technologies are of risk, there's high technology risk, right, to try to mitigate those as best we can. Right. So, so one is agility. How do we move, how do we move quickly uh, and use sort of milestone uh, agile methods? Uh, I think the second one is uh, a little around culture and risk taking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are you know, pushing the envelope on some of these uh, these technologies. And so we know not all of them will be successful. Right. Uh, and so we're taking a portfolio approach and, you know, setting the culture within the team, within the, our contracting offers that, you know, if we have something fail because we stretch too hard from a technology standpoint, mm -hmm. that that's okay. Not just okay, it's actually a good thing because if we weren't stretching so hard mm -hmm. and taking less risky activities, you know, we wouldn't be able to get some of these you know, newer and innovative things to our warfighters. You know, it's, you, you touched on it already that in today's tech world, companies and entrepreneurs expect to fail, right? And in mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, it's actually a badge of honor to fail. If mm -hmm. you haven't failed, then you haven't done something right. right. So, and, and Washington is traditionally very, you know, risk averse. Right. So you've already touched on it a little bit. How are you going to manage that variable of, you know, risk? Um, between what you're doing, what what's happening in Silicon Valley and what's happening in Washington right. D.C. Well, I think it's a staged effort. I mean, I think um, all of the things that we do, in, mm -hmm. in my view, right. So a lot of folks have asked, what's the long-term vision right. for DIUX? Uh, candidly, in, in you know, my opinion, mm -hmm. if we are successful, we will cease to need to exist in five years or whatever the right time frame really? is. Because if we have uh, shown the department mm -hmm. broadly that uh, certain the techniques that we're pioneering or the approaches that we're taking mm -hmm. can work, can allow uh, non-traditional companies to provide us with unique capabilities, and we can work more mm -hmm. broadly mm -hmm. through the department. And sure. then our need for the for existence would would go away. So ideally, um, we are the beacon. Uh, we are sure. the, the canary in the pilot house to show how these things could work, what the art of the possible is. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and because of that, right, we can we can show that uh, by taking a little bit of risk uh, and, and trying to move faster mm -hmm. um, from a portfolio standpoint, uh, it's it's in the best interest of of our warfighters. So I, you know, I'm very much on your on your um, in along aligned with your line of thinking, which is that you know companies should work with government. They they need to work with government. That you know Silicon Valley, Boston, Austin, the tech hubs need to, mm -hmm. you know, they need to come together with DC. And yet there is such a 
you know, there's pushback from companies, which I'm sure mm -hmm. you've, you know, seen along the way, which is working with government is hard or procurement is difficult or it's too costly. Mm -hmm. So you have all these great tools in place. How are you going to get that message out? How are you handling that? That pushback. Yeah, I mean, I think we are trying to show it by example. I mean, we've, we've been in, we've been, mm -hmm. DX 2.0 has been in operation for four months yep. or so. Yeah, pretty successful. Um, uh, the first, yep, the yep. first stages yep. of it, we've gotten the contracting part of it down, right? Uh -huh. The next part becomes actually building the technology and the milestones and transitioning it to the folks that are actually going to use it. So we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Uh -huh. But at least for the first part, I think we've proven that there is an alternative pathway, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and uh, we are, you know, uh, doing things to help uh, educate and uh, broadcast that to others in the department. Uh -huh. um, uh, ideally, you know, also in the uh, in the community, like here, you know, today is a, a perfect example of trying to get our message out. Yes. Um, and so, uh, but I think we are going to. Uh, rely and stand on our on our track record, right? Like, I think the things that we do and right. will accomplish will be able to speak for themselves in terms of what's what's possible. Absolutely, I think track record matters, right? Yeah. Especially from a venture standpoint, yeah. you guys are not a traditional venture firm, but people no. look at your track record. What have you done? Mm -hmm. And so I think that you know that will definitely build exactly. on and gather on. So you know, you've spoken about Austin and you're you know developing your reserve mm -hmm. unit there. Tell us a little bit more about why you know some of the other locations that you're. You're choosing why sure. important. Sure. So, um, you know, I think um, we will have reservists nationwide. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are tech hubs everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, uh, while the, uh, you know, preponderance of mm -hmm. private venture are in uh, the Northeast and the West Coast, mm -hmm. uh, there are certainly great companies uh, all over the place and even internationally. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think the reserve model uh -huh. um, will allow us to reach those areas without having to build a whole lot of infrastructure or overhead costs, mm -hmm. right? So I don't anticipate us having additional offices per se, but reservists that live in those communities for their own civilian work sure. that will then be that uh, conduit for us. Okay, great. And in terms of Silicon Valley, you know, it's kind of the innovation capital of the world, if you will. Do you think yeah. that still that still holds, or is it starting to change a little bit with the various innovation hubs popping up? No, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think um, there are smart entrepreneurs uh, everywhere. Uh, the The Valley has, because of the the, the community and the concentration of mm -hmm. investors, entrepreneurs, customers, acquirers talent all in the same place mm -hmm. it does have unique uh, unique place uh, unique um, uh, assets here mm -hmm. so I don't think it's a zero-sum game so I, I don't view it as Silicon Valley versus Boston and, and it being a trade-off I think that uh, there's certainly a critical mass here mm -hmm. uh, which is why this is the preponderance of private venture fund in the world uh, is deployed here but I think that this type of close community is something that clearly is uh, is in Boston yep. and emerging in other places uh, around the country. Very cool. So you know, just to as as we get closer towards the you know the end of our podcast here, give you know you've talked a little bit about um, you know the processes and the changes that you're making at the department to mm -hmm. bring new players on board. What advice would you give to someone listening to this podcast who says, you know what, I want to go work the IUX to come and work with your lab? 
Uh, first off, I'd encourage uh, companies and non-traditionals to consider the Department of Defense as a as a reliable and transparent customer. Um, we have, in my opinion, some of the most exciting and intractable technology challenges uh, that are found anywhere. So really, really exciting things. Um, and when the department begins to move in a certain direction, you know, it clearly has a lot of mass, mm -hmm. and, uh, which can be also very exciting from a, uh, you know, from the uh, from a company standpoint. Um, I think my advice to to startups would be uh, one to really understand the problem, uh, being able to sit with and speak with the operators, the mm -hmm. folks who will actually use their technology, mm -hmm. uh, will be very very helpful. Um, I think it still takes uh, some patience. Mm -hmm. uh, we're uh, we are within the department a startup in and of ourselves, sure. so uh, uh, you know you'll need some patience in working with the with the department. Uh, I think specific to DIUX, I encourage folks to go to our website website mm -hmm. diux.mil, mm -hmm. uh, in which we post the areas that are of interest to us. How and often do you post those you know, requirements? It's, uh, it, it, it's episodic. So uh, we usually have something new every every couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and so I encourage folks to continue to, to, to look at that. And uh, if they have something applicable, please do send in. Maybe we should have an proposal. alert system that goes out uh, to your, yeah, you know, yeah. your user base that says <laughs> new requirements right. coming out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and the process is... Uh, pretty straightforward in that we want to encourage folks to use the same materials that they would use for a, a commercial sale for us. Cool. I, I was looking at the rapid contracting tool, mm -hmm. right, that, that's out there on the uh -huh. site, and it's really neat. They, you know, the tool, when you're saying requirements, this is not an RFP response that you're respecting, can you, expecting. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's not an RFP that we ask for. We ask for a specific topic area. Say we have an interest in um, autonomy, right? Mm -hmm. We want some autonomous capability, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, we need some some capability to uh, pick up wounded soldiers on the battlefield and bring them back to our, our hospitals for mm -hmm. treatment uh, mm -hmm. more quickly. Right, that, that that's one that we've looked at before. Um, uh, yeah. So instead of uh, having a traditional government uh, style RFP process, mm -hmm. um, we have more of uh, you know this is what we're looking for. This is the problem set. Yep. We don't necessarily define what we think the solution is. Mm -hmm. We ask companies to say, you know, send us a five-page PowerPoint deck cool. on what you think the, the solution could be. Mm -hmm. we'll, take, we'll take a look at it. We'll get back to the companies very, very quickly with mm -hmm. either a quick no or mm -hmm. uh, yes. And then, uh, you know, if we want to move forward with the company, then we'll come in, we'll have them come in, and we'll have a much more detailed process of understanding their capability, mm -hmm. putting together a prototype proposal process, which is collaborative, uh, Great. And, and we and we can uh, dig in from there. And one of the examples of some a company like that is the one that went through the 53-day process. Is mm -hmm. that what you meant? So from zero to you know from from uh, you know the requirements being posted to you maybe funding the company that was 53 days. Exactly. That's a bit on average okay. for what okay. uh, what we're targeting. So okay. for the ones we've done so far, from yeah from the posting and meeting companies to mm -hmm. To being able to put pick a pick a winner and in some topic areas multiple oh, uh, selectees right. Uh, Are you able to share any of them? Uh, I can share a couple. Yeah, sure. um, you know we've done um, one project with a uh, uh, an autonomous um, uh, UAV a quadcopter company. They there are several companies that have been building quadcopters to 
uh, map the interior of buildings for the real estate industry. Oh, wow. Um, and so for the military, being able to map a building for, for training and rehearsal mm-hmm. and other things um, is of value. So there was a couple of feature sets that we wanted uh, in software added, so we funded the NRE for that. That's great. Um, uh, we've done... Uh, yeah, we've done a, a several cybersecurity efforts where, uh, you know, defending a a large bank is oftentimes the same problem mm-hmm. sets that we as the government have. So we've done a couple of cybersecurity mm-hmm. efforts, uh, endpoint solutions, network solutions, et cetera. So it's it's again trying to find companies that have both a commercial path yep. as well as uh, interest in what we're doing mm-hmm. and, and finding a way to. Uh, to, to rationally work together. So putting my entrepreneur hat on, I'm hearing you say that, you know, we, we find the, the technology and then we might fund a piece mm-hmm. of it. So my entrepreneur hat says, who then owns that technology once you fund it? Yeah. It? So I think, you know, that's the interesting point I made. So the IP is certainly negotiable mm-hmm. um, and it's on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. So if you're a commercial company that's already has product in the marketplace, mm-hmm. you know, clearly there's, it, that's more just of a, of a procurement. Um, you know, I think if it is something made more exquisite for us, there may be some more, uh, there'd be a discussion around restrictions and, and whatnot. Sure. But again, the idea is that the government is not in the business of building companies. Right. right? That's not what we do. Right. We're not in the business of, of owning IP and selling it, right? Mm-hmm. What we want to ensure is that we are able to access uh, capabilities that make our, you know, mm-hmm. men and women in uniform mm-hmm. more effective at their jobs. Absolutely. That That's that's phenomenal. I'm glad you guys are thinking like this. And leading on to the next question, which is almost our last uh-huh. question here, before you share any final thoughts mm-hmm. with us, Raj, what advice do you have for others in government, right, that are trying to attract, attract the best suppliers to address, you know, com- complex government missions, uh, like the lab started? Yeah. Yeah. What can they be doing? Yeah. So I mean, I think there. So I have a, a couple of thoughts, right? So one is, um, uh, I encourage. Uh, others in government to use the the full flexibility that they're already afforded mm-hmm. by law. Um, uh, there are uh, great authorities and capabilities that anyone in government, any organization can use, mm-hmm. and we're happy to share with them how we pioneered some of that so they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Cool. We have a lot of documentation that, we're, mm-hmm. that we have available to our government uh, friends. Um, I, I think the other thing I would do is I would encourage folks to have a uh, an open ear and, and really try to understand mm-hmm. if they're looking for a technology from a non-traditional supplier to understand mm-hmm. how that um, industry and business works, what are their own mm-hmm. uh, motivations and incentives, and try to uh, leverage that for, for our own needs as best as possible. Um, uh, uh, and then uh, finally, if it's a DOD agency, uh, I encourage them to call us. You know, of our, su- our <laughs> yeah. success is to solve the problems of other services sure. and uh, agencies within the department. That makes, is our mission. Makes a lot of sense. And you know, in your in the DoD's case, you make a great point. You know, I you know I am a firm believer believer that leadership starts at the top. So you have you know a, a champion in Secretary Carter. Mm-hmm. How important is that internal champion at other agencies? As they strive to make this kind of change. Yeah, I think that's very important, right? So, so in the history of uh, of bureaucracies, mm-hmm. right, since the, <laughs> the Roman times, it's change is always difficult. Yes. Um, and uh, you, it's very helpful and empowering to have, you know, visionaries mm-hmm. that have the authority to to be those change agents. Um, and so I think we personally are very fortunate 
Secretary Carter clearly is mm-hmm. being a change agent for us, but it's not just him. Mm-hmm. There's others, uh, other leaders uh, in the department, in sure. the services that have been critical partners for us as well. And so I, I think that uh, as other uh, departments within the government sure. try to do this, is uh, you know I encourage them to to take that take that challenge on. I think that's wonderful. And I think leading by example, like you said, is the best thing that you can do. So as we wrap up, any other final thoughts you'd like to share? Any comments? Well, Shelley, I appreciate the, the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. Um, uh, you know, I think that we are just in the first inning here of yep. this of this effort. Um, it's It takes a lot of work uh, yeah. amongst a lot of people. So uh, I uh, am thankful to our supporters yes. and I, you know, I welcome that all uh, you know, other like-minded and innovative folks within the department, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, come together and, and work on this, uh, their support problem set. Thank you, Raj. Thank you so much. And not to mix my sports analogies, but, you know, hopefully we're going to have a touchdown here <laughs> with some of, the, <laughs> some of the great things you're doing. So I, I really appreciate it. And again, Raj, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Shaw. Thanks so much to Raj Shaw, managing partner of DIUX, for speaking with us today. To find out more about DIUX and everything that we've discussed today, you can find links in the show notes. The Public Impact Podcast is produced by Public Spend Forum founder and chair Raj Sharma, Frank McNally, Jonathan Messenger, and me, Shelly Kapoor Collins. You can also find out about Public Spend Forum, where we're launching a brand new community and knowledge network for everyone who cares about public procurement and spending. We're really excited about it and hope you'll join us. Just go to community.publicspendforum.net. Thanks again.